I'm Bay, and you're listening to Bay Baltimore, a weekly pop culture and society podcast recorded in a quiet neighborhood in Baltimore. This week, I want to talk about Rebecca Roanhorse's Trail of Lightning. It's book one in the Sixth World series. Okay, as many of you know, I grew up in Missouri. Um, And as a kid, I learned about Missouri-based tribes like the Shawnee and Osage. I also remember, you know, just, you know how it is, you're riding around the city and you're going in different areas in the country and you're just kind of taught that these words that you're learning have a meaning to them. Just like, just like in Maryland, specifically Baltimore, like most of the streets are named after uh, folks that were connected to um, the Declaration of Independence or were some sort of Lord, um, like Lord Baltimore. Um, And even the counties are named after dignitaries from England and so on and so forth. So Missouri is very much like that. And I'm sure wherever you are listening from um, outside of the United States or what even outside of the United States, Humans, specifically men and conquerors, have a habit of naming um, towns and streets and important landmarks for themselves or people that they want to honor. And so in Missouri, it's no different. Um, it It just so happens that many of the towns and streets and things like that bear the name of native Uh, or First Nations tribes or people, specifically tribes, though. I can't really rightly think of any people at the moment, but definitely tribe names. Um, And so, you know, there's a Shawnee Mission, which is just on the the line, the Missouri-Kansas line. I can't remember where now. It's been long enough. It's been long, but Paseo Drive in Baltimore, uh, definitely a native Word And then there's Osage Beach in Missouri, which is closer to, uh, it's like northwest of Kansas City. Um, and Missouri itself is, and I, I, I grew up knowing this, and there's a lot that I had, I learned as an adult, but I grew up learning. One of the first things I remember learning as a kid was that Missouri itself was a native language or a First Nation language word. Um, and then I was just compelled to do some research for this episode um, and what I'm going to talk about today. And I learned that Missouri itself is indeed uh, a First Nations language word. It's actually from the Sioux. I believe it's the Sioux, uh, the Sioux language word for the Missourian tribe. Um, Because what I didn't know is while I I knew that there were uh, Osage tribe and the Shawnee tribe, I didn't realize that there was actually a Missouri tribe. I don't know why I didn't, but I I just didn't. I knew of other tribes, but I just didn't know that. So anyway, and uh, Missouri uh, means big canoe people. For obvious reasons, um, every Missouri kid, especially if you St. Louis, Kansas City, or in in between uh, St. Louis being on the west side of the state um, and Kansas City being on the, excuse me, St. Louis being on the east side of the state and Kansas City being on the west, you know, the Missouri and the Mississippi meet in St. Louis and at Kansas City, the Missouri flows um, and there's a port there in Kansas City. A lot of shipping happens um, from Kansas City to points east 
um, through St. Uh, Louis. And then, of course, you're going south and the Mississippi. When, it, when the Missouri feeds into the Mississippi, you know, at one point, the Missouri and the Mississippi were huge. And actually, kind of still are today. Huge uh, commerce. There's lots of uh, money and, and goods being transported through those uh, rivers. Anyhow, so it makes sense that Missouri, the Missourian tribe was the Sioux name for big canoe people. Uh, yeah, that makes sense. That yeah, for again for the Missourian and the Mississippi rivers. Um, and actually, I'm quite sure that their use of the Mississippi and the Missouri um, rivers obviously led a lot of the traders and trappers and the folks who ultimately would push them out on the Trail of Tears. Um, the, you know, they saw a good thing and they wanted to snatch it for themselves. Um, so, you know, once again, we have tons of things to thank uh, First Nations people for. But anyway, I digress. Anyway, real quickly, um, the original inhabit- inhabitants of Missouri um, were the Chickasaw, Illini, Iowa, I- Iowa, excuse me, um, Missouri, as I said, Osage, as I said, Otoe, and the uh, Quapa. Now, I don't think I heard of the Quapa before, and I've, I've heard the Otoe before, but I think I always looked at that as in reference to Ottawa, and there's an Ottawa, Kansas. But I didn't realize at the time that um, it wasn't named after the place in in. Canada, I'm sure the place in Canada was named after the tribe in um, Missouri and parts of Iowa too. Anyway, um, like I said, I knew about Osage um, and everybody has heard Chickasaw before. Everyone's heard Chickasaw before, even if you didn't quite understand it. That's a native uh, First Nations tribe. But the Illini sounds familiar to you. Obviously, it's a mascot for a college team. But it is also the root of Illinois, duh, for the state. Um, And then the Iowa is the root for what state? Iowa, duh. So Illinois, Iowa, Missouri are all named after Native uh, or First Nations tribes. I'm sorry, I'm trying to wipe out Native American to say First Nations because it's reality, it's true. Anyway, um, so it's going to take me a minute. Um, just because I grew up using the other term. So anyhow, um, so, but yeah, so those are the native tribes of Missouri. But the Indian Removal Act of the 1800s all but decimated um, the indigenous populations of Missouri. Um, Except, though, for a few Missouri tribe members um, who escaped removal, which is kind of easy to do because of the caves and the caverns and and the mountains of the Ozarks and stuff like that. This is just my guessing, but, you know... If you lived in an area your whole entire life and your people's people have lived there your whole entire life, you can get pretty good about knowing how to outsmart folks and how to hide from people. So it doesn't surprise me that there are generations of uh, First Nations people who are living in Missouri and ha- ha- can account or can attest to their ancestors having escaped the Uh, Indian Removal Act, which was the basis for the Trail of Tears. You know the Trail of Tears largely moving folks from the eastern United States 
um, to Oklahoma, the Oklahoma area. What you may not know is that um, the Indian Removal Act also effectively, in many cases, removed um, First Nations tribes from places like Iowa, Illinois, and of course, Missouri. It was along the Trail of Tears. And in fact, a lot of the tribes, many of the tribes that were leaving um, the East traveled through Missouri um, to get to Oklahoma. Looking at, at Missouri on the map, you got Missouri, Kansas, Arkansas, Oklahoma. It's right. It's all right there. So it stands to reason that if you're um, a First Nations tribe from the Great Lakes area, or you're a First Nations tribe from uh, the Northeast, so like New York, and you're pushed out for whatever reason, your sometimes the, the straightest path, you know, the quickest point, the quickest uh, path between two points is a straight line. And, and just like, go with me again, just follow me as I'm talking. My logic's kind of all over the place, but it, it goes somewhere. Anyway, there's a reason why Route 40 travels the way it does. There's a reason why most of our major highways and, and thoroughfares travel the route that they do is because it's the, it's the route that people took um, centuries ago, hundreds of years ago, not centuries, but hundreds of years ago. Um, and so it stands to reason that, you know, like now you, in order to get west from New York, from Maryland, um, anywhere in the Northeast to get West, you often have to travel through, um, of course you have to travel through Illinois in many cases, um, sometimes Iowa, but most directly it's easier for you to travel through Missouri. And so of course the trail of tears included, um, pathways through Missouri and a lot of native tribe, uh, first, first nations tribes were removed, um, from Missouri on that trail of tears. Um, and so today there are no federally recognized tribes in Missouri, although the Northern Cherokee Nation of the old Louisiana Territory is headquartered in Columbia, Missouri, which is where, fun fact, Mizzou or Missouri State University um, is. And again, growing up in, in, in Missouri, just there's a, a quote unquote Indian trading post everywhere. Um, cause that was the term for it. And you would go in there, it'd be near these truck stops and you get tobacco and you get these, um, carved pipes and, you know, feathers and, and all sorts of trinkets that were probably not native made. They were probably made in, in some other place, but, um, a lot of the truck stops and a lot of these little charm, uh, mom and pop stores really play on native American culture, um, because it's cool to do that now and certainly cool and I was growing up to do that, but it wasn't cool for quite some time. And in fact, again, the fact that there were, what, four major Native American tribes or First Nations tribes in um, Missouri at one time, now down to absolutely none. There's not even a, um, a, a protected territory in Missouri, anywhere in Missouri, that is dedicated to... Um, First Nations people just lets you know how serious hatred is and how and likewise, the flip side of it, of course, it's cool. You, you want to put on the culture of someone else because it's cool and it's fascinating to you, but it's disrespectful and just rude. So anyway, but I grew up in that. I grew up in and and again, I had a conversation. Well, not again. You don't know this, but I had a conversation on my birthday with one of my very good friends um, who 
we both know someone, we have a, a mutual who identifies as not only identifies, but certified as a Cherokee Nation person. Um, and as a person who grew up with a bunch of white people um, saying, oh, yeah, we got Native American blood and even black people saying we got Native American blood or First Nations blood. Yeah, yeah, we we we. And then I had the nerve to say the tribe as if they had some sort of like they could really prove that stuff. And then in many cases, a lot of people will say it because they couldn't prove it. Um, and, and, and who were you to check them, to call them on it? And so they'll wear the, they'll have the dream catchers in their rooms. Um, and they'll wear those, you know, ugly, um, those ugly airbrush shirts that, uh, I don't know. And, and some of those milky colors like teal or, or baby blue or something like that. And then they'll have this airbrush picture of, of some stoic, uh, first nations man in like seeming to be ceremonial dress or some, uh, First Nations woman looking young and beautiful and stuff and looking very Disney um, on their shirt and walking around with that and then walking around with feathers in their earring uh, as earrings and stuff like I grew up with white people looking very much Irish looking very much uh, Eastern European but talking about they have uh, First Nations blood in well they didn't say First Nations they said Native American blood in them and so I struggle with people who do not look and just forgive me if this is hurtful. I understand that there are many different ways that um, First Nations people uh, certify whether or not a person is a part of a tribe or not. Um, but it's just hard for me for someone who looks very much European to say that they are, in fact, not European, that they identify as Native American or uh, First Nations people, especially since... There are so many poor and neglected First Nations people that are living right now in our, in our country on uh, desi- in designated territory that is, it's, the resources are, are poor. And so it's not cool for them to, to do you know what I mean? It's like, it's like a fashion statement or something like that. And so I know that there are some things that I need to work through because if you're certified by, that, by a tribe, like, who am I to say that you're not? It's just there's a privilege that comes with that that we need to reckon with, because what we know is that there were whole schools that were opened to, quote unquote, civilize the Native American or uh, what there was a phrase that I remember hearing from a, a, a story. I think it was Radio Lab story. Well, uh, one of the uh I guess the catchphrase for a lot of these schools that are were even in Missouri and Iowa, of course, and Kansas and all over the Midwest, um, basically it was like, kill the Indian, save the man. Basically, you know, make them assimilate, um, which is a whole other conversation. But anyway, so, you know, don't speak your language. Don't wear your hair long if you're a dude. Um, don't wear your traditional um, attire. Um, anyone, you act like the uh, nice white people who are taking you in, who are going to set, uh, who are going to um, civilize you, because we good Christian people, and around here we save souls, and you, you just a savage. You know what I mean? So anyway, it's it's just hard for me to reconcile what I know to be basically people just putting on a costume growing up to folks truly identifying um, and being certified and, and wanting to protect 
uh, native culture and customs and things like that. But anyway, why am I talking about all of this? Um, if I haven't lost you by now, I'm talking about this because I am going to discuss a book that I have been reading thanks to Audible. I'm still going to say read and I don't care. Anyway, a book series rather um, that I've been reading with Audible, um, which was recommended to me over six months ago. But I finally just got around to finishing book one and I'm on, I'm on book two now. But anyway, um, and the book is written, it, it's, you know, it's about a Native American, it's a, a First Nations protagonist woman, which, you know, gotta love uh, people of color, uh, woman of color um, led projects. Um, and so that's my thing. So anyway, so it's a, a First Nations protagonist um, written by a, na- uh, a First Nations woman. Um, and it's called Trail of Lightning, book one in the Sixth World series. Um, I forgot what book two is called. Hopefully by the end of this episode, I will tell you what book one is called. But um, book uh, book two is called, but book one is called Trail of Lightning. It's by Rebecca Roanhorse. Um, and in a nutshell, and I'll go into this in a second, but in a nutshell, it's a supernatural book that is as much... Um, about First Nations uh, spirituality as it is a monster hunting um, at the end of the world book. So I'll go into more of that in a second. All right, so let me read this um, synopsis right quick. So Maggie Hoshke, and real quick, just a little side note, the narrator of this book um she pronounces the name maggie it almost sounds like maggie you know what i mean it's not maggie but maggie or some junk like that um and it sounds very much like so i went to school um in midwest too and i took native american studies uh class i almost minored in it actually that and and african-american studies but i was just short um, for both, but anyway, um, they say that Long A, um, the the narrator of this story says that Long A, like some of my professors had, and some of the people that I knew were from like the Great Lakes region. Um, some First Nations people, some not, just they just lived in the Great Lakes area. Anyhow, they would say Maggie, and it just kind of brought me back to those to, to college days um, when I would hear people say that Long A um, in a phrase or a name that, you know, just saying it differently than I would. Anyway, um, so the, the protagonist is Maggie Hoshki, Hoshki, sorry. And she is a, um, a Denaton monster hunter. Um, another sidebar, uh, Dene is the root for Denaton. Dene is the, um, Cherokee name for Cherokee is the best way I can describe it. I don't know. Google it. Look it up. It's, it's, um, D I N E with a accent over the E. Um, and T A H is how the, the synopsis writes it out. But, um, I think if you just spell that out without the, uh, accent over the E, it'll still pull it up. But anyhow, Denatal, uh, Maggie Hoshke is a Denatal, um, monster hunter, a supernaturally gifted killer. 
Okay, so let let us not be let us be clear. This is a kind of scary tale, although it's not super scary. It's it's graphic in Ed parts. When a small town needs help finding a missing girl, Maggie is la- is their last best hope. But what Maggie uncovers about the monster is much more terrifying than anything she could imagine. Maggie reluctantly enlists the aid of Kai Ar- Arvizo, an unconventional medicine man, and together they travel the res, unraveling clues from ancient legends, trading favors with tricksters, with tricksters, and battling dark witchcraft in a patchwork world of deteriorating technology. As Maggie discovers the truth behind the killings, she will have to confront her past if she wants to survive. Welcome to the sixth world. Okay, and so real quick, um, the best line, one of the best opening lines that I've read in a long time. Um, And I don't know, maybe you'll find this a little contrived or whatever, but I just thought it was pretty cool. Um, And I was looking through some of the reviews and and somebody else thought it was cool too. So we might be corny all by ourselves in a corner. But um, one of the best lines, opening lines um, that I've read in a long time are, I'm no hero, more of a last resort, a scorched earth policy. I'm the person you hire when the heroes have already come home in body bags. That's like cold-blooded. I don't know. I don't care. That's cold-blooded for me. I like that. Anyway, so the bu- the book opens with this line, basically, um, describing Maggie. And it kind of leads to a very graphic scene. Like, within the first 10, 12 pages, or, you know, if you're listening to it on Audible like I do, it's like the first five minutes. It, it goes in a very graphic scene that's pretty gross. But it sets the tone, though, for the spiritual warfare to come which is my favorite ever. As you know, as I shared with Fast Color, I I love, I didn't say this in Fast Color, but I'll say it now. I both love and loathe stories about the supernatural because I think supernatural-based superheroes, I think is the most fascinating because I actually have a reverence for the supernatural. Um, I'm a very spiritual person, as you know. I live my life in that way. Um, I grow. I grew up living my life in that way. I ha- have a heritage that maybe we didn't worship in the same ways all the time, but I have a reverence for the spiritual spirituality and the power that it can have to improve a person's life and give it meaning and help a person kind of navigate. And so, when you think of when you take stories that are rooted in reality or in what a person's spiritual beliefs is, or a set of spiritual belief, a belief system, and then you embellish it in ways, or at least you take those stories and you put them to, you bring them to life in both either a book or a movie. I just, I'm here for that. Likewise, the, some of the scariest movies for me are supernatural based, like fill in the blank baby. I just, I'm not into it. It's not, I, I'm not, I'm not there for it. Um, I'm also a scaredy cat, but you get my meaning. Like the supernatural, the spiritual is something that should be treated with care for me. And I do enjoy reading about it, even fantasy book or even uh, fiction. I, I, I love reading nonfiction and fiction, um, watching documentaries and watching dramas and things like that. Anyway, so... So this book is for anyone who is like me, who just enjoys the supernatural um, and the spiritual. 
Um, and especially if you want to get to know, and again, I know that there's, I don't know that there are embellishments, but there are certainly, um, I'm sure there are liberties taken in explaining the lore behind a lot of the stories and, and, uh, the, the Diné, uh, people, uh, people's history, um, and their spiritual practices and, and things like that. But nevertheless, um, I think it's a good book if you're a person who, who, appreciates uh, learning about other cultures, spiritual practices, even in a non, uh, even in a fiction. It's also, as I said, a post-apocalyptic, uh, it's in that genre. The, the sixth world, it's the sixth world because something terrible happened to the cities of the United States. It, it implies that the cities of the world, the whole world has changed, but because this is focused very much on, oh, by the way, uh, this book, it makes me think that based on um, a mountain range that she said, uh, Maggie says, so she's, she's Navajo. Oh, that's what I meant. I, I said, I don't know what I said before, but Danae uh, is Navajo. Is the, is the, the Navajo word for Navajo? I, I, I guess it, I'm, I'm doing a crappy job explaining this, but the best way I can describe it is Navajo is the English word for who they are, but they call themselves the Diné. The, that, that tribe is the, 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 the Diné. Anyway, so the Diné, uh, Maggie says right in the beginning that they are located in the Chucksaw Mountains, which I looked that up and the Chucksaw Mountains kind of crisscross or at least cover both Arizona and New Mexico. So I can only assume that something has happened to the majority of the United States, but because they were in the mountains um, and in a protected area anyway, that they were mostly, mostly cool. Now, certainly there are a lot of elements of this story as you read on um, that let you know that life isn't normal anymore. This is this, they keep making mention of the big water. So I can only assume there was some sort of catastrophe related to water um, that you'll, you know, as you read, you'll hear about that. I'm not going to spoil this, by the way. No spoilers here. I'm not going to do that um, because I really do want you to read this book. Listen to it on Audible. It's a good read. Um, and the the book, too, is a good one, too. So I'm not going to spoil anything, but there is reference to some major life-altering, world-altering event that now puts them into this new reality. Um, and it almost makes it seem as if this thing that's happened, this catastrophe that has happened has somehow enhanced, uh, yeah, let's just call it, go with enhanced, um, enhanced the powers or the awakened the spiritual world, um, and, and, and allowed, um, a lot of these tribes, uh, the first nations people to tap into, their birthrights, the the things that they were given um, as part of being a part of a clan, as they say, they say it a lot, as part of a clan, the, these these gifts that been that have been bestowed upon them as part of a clan. This major event could have enhanced those gifts or awakened those gifts. Anyway, um, this book, it's like I want to see it in film version. I do. Um, if there's a it, yeah, I want to see it in I want to see it in the film version. Um because it is 
There are parts that are slow, don't get me wrong. But for the most part, it's so heavy on the imagination in terms of it. Go with me because that sounded stupid, but go with me. It is so it allows you to use your imagination. It's like the, the visions, these these scenes that I'm viewing, my imagination is making it so vivid that I just can't wait to see what a director would do what an actor would do um and as many scary movies despite me being a scary cat as many scary movies as i've seen many action thrillers that i've seen i know that there will i know that there can be some you know if they put their mind to it some actors out there that could really bring this thing to life really bring maggie to life and all the um the characters um uh, kai kai specifically uh, well, Kai and Maggie, like that duo that could bring them to life. I think that would be pretty good. But again, it's got to be one of those things where they have to be First Nations people that have to. Um, or it's not going it's not going to work. The whole premise is this is a woman who is a part of uh, the who is Dene, who. Who's trying to protect her people, who is called to protect different clans um, because this is their their new normal. And so. But it's 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 not like it's focused on them being um, First Nations people, but it's an integral part of the story. It's so integral that if you if you removed them being First Nations people, it'd be kind of a boring story, really. A, a story that we've heard before, because you would lose the, the element of the lore. You would lose the element of the supernatural that would that come that comes along with the folklore and the legend that is told and um, from different. Uh, tribes and clans again as the book uh, mentions so if you take that element out it's just another boring sci-fi film that we've seen a thousand times before so I, I really the book is good read it and I cannot wait to see uh, I can't wait to see it on the big screen or the small screen I don't care like Netflix whatever Amazon just do it right y'all don't have the best history of you know Number one, casting the right folks, or number two, if you do cast the right folks, you don't, you certainly don't give it a chance, and you let that thing cancel. Mm-hmm. Talking about low ratings or whatever. I see you. You ain't slick. Anyway, um, yeah, the book is really good, and the critical acclaim has been interesting. And there's certainly comments that I want to talk about in, in regards to readers that is important to note. I'm still trying to wrap my mind around how I feel about them though you'll see what I mean in a second so trail of lightning um overall was pretty well um received highly received in fact um just a quick search on google will remind you that um the book itself was a 2019 Hugo finalist, um, and uh, I think she, I need to look again, but I'm pretty sure the book won um, the Nebula Award um, for Best Novel. So it was really well received. Um, it, Goodreads, if you follow that um, site, which I do for work, and and because of work, I figured out that it's also a great place to look up books that I, I read as a, as a kid, I remember I was like 13 or 14 and, you know, being from the Midwest and then having family members all over the place. Um, I used to spend my summers between Louisiana, 
um, seeing cousins down south or um, I'd spend summers. I know I'm going on a tangent, but just go with me. Anyway, I would spend summers um, in Detroit, too. And one of the cousins that I spent time with, she was a school teacher. And um, she gave me this book and I have yet to figure out the name of it. Um, but it was like it was one of those um, teen books and the protagonist lived in some urban city and one of her best frenemies who actually turned out to be like he was a frenemy in school enemy in school and turned out to be a friend um over the summer summer break and um he, oh, the thing about it was i think it was excuse me i think it was a little boy um who lived in an abandoned home and and or something like that anyhow and and the characters were black. That was the thing that got me because the the character was were black, but it wasn't one of those poverty uh, porn books. Do you know what I mean? Like it was this girl coming of age. Anyhow, um, so Goodreads is getting me closer to figure out that title. So anyway, I trust Goodreads and so should you. That was a real long way of saying that Goodreads is a good site. Anyway, Goodreads has it rated right now as four out of five. Bonds and Nobles has it rated uh trailer lightning rated at 4.8 out of five so um and google users which and again all of this is relative but google users have it at 98 percent um 98 percent of google users who responded um like the book and i'm fixing to be part of that 98 oh shoot i gotta sign in anyway my bad um i'll do that some other time anyhow um so yeah, um, and the New York Times, real quick, uh, New York Times um, person who wrote about the book said, "Someone please cancel Supernatural." You know that TV show on one of them, one of them um, places. <laughs> uh, anyway, some somebody, uh, someone please cancel Supernatural already and give us at least five seasons of this badass indigenous monster hunter and her silver-tongued sidekick. Um, yep. Mm-hmm. So people like it and it's not just me. Um, as also it, it, again, blah, blah, blah. It has really great reviews, but also one of the things that stood out to me that I wanted to share were the reviews on audible because sometimes reviews are just people waxing poetic and trying to sound smart. And then sometimes reviews actually do give you a clue into whether or not you'll actually like this book. And so this is a highly rated book, even though it came out this year, it's already highly rated. Everybody in their mama loves it. Um, and so two ratings that stood out to me on Audible, they're both five star ratings um, that I want to read to you. These two ratings were the reason that I went ahead and bought the book. Um, and, and started reading it in the first place because it had been in my recommend, as I said in the beginning, it had been in my recommendations um, for a while now, but I, I didn't, I don't know, I just, it, I wasn't compelled to read it. Um, and so one of the things that I like to do with recommendations that are given, I, that I'm given, I also, I like to look at the uh, reviews and what people are saying about them. Um, and I try to push past the, the folks that just want to, want to have something put up, you know what I mean? Want, want to... Uh, just say something um and i actually look for substance and so two of these reviews that are actually back-to-back stood out to me um and like i said they're both five stars on audible and the first one says uh, the header is wonderful exploration of navajo culture um 
and and I'm going to butcher this, but I'm trying my best. So just give me some grace. As a Belon, Bella, Belagona, as a Belagona who lived among the Navajo for, I don't know what a Belagona is. I should probably have Googled that. Anyway, as a Belagona who lived among the Navajo for years, I love the depth of this story, depth of this story. This amazing and unique culture is the perfect background for an apocalyptic story like none other. Totally unpredictable and fast paced. I hope there is more to come. Um, and then the next one, which kind of felt like a, a little bit of a read, but at the same time, it, it, it drew me because it's like one of those. It was like an underhanded compliment a little bit or a compliment that had um, a diss in it. And you'll know what I mean when I get to it. Um, and the title is It's a Long A. And it reads, I love this story and the way it was told. I don't know if the individual reading this to me was Navajo or not, but it wouldn't have been, but it would have been nice to have a native tongue speaker speak. It would have been nice to uh, have a native tongue speak the Diné words used in this book. I cringed every time the word Hogan was said. And again, harkening back to the title of this critique, um, I said Hogan, the, the um, narrator said Hogan. I'm thinking he's meaning, he's meaning that it is normally pronounced Hogan, 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 I guess, is that a long A? I don't know. You know what I mean? Or maybe you don't. Um, but I remember it being said, uh, I don't know. Anyway, I, who am I to argue? I just, I, I wish I could hear what this person, how this person is saying Hogan. Um, because she sounded like um, Hogan, Maggie, Ma- Hogan, Hogan. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking that maybe, you know how, how I said earlier that... Um, Ho, um, Maggie was pronounced Maggie. Maybe he's saying Ho, Hogan. May, Hogan. I don't know. Anyway. Um, but anyway, it's, as weird as it sounds, those two um, notes, especially the last one, was the reason why I went ahead and bought the book so that I could um, listen to it through, via Audible. Because it was, it seemed like, yeah, there, they had some connection to it and the book itself kind of supported it was good enough for them and so I it was good enough for me and so that's why I read it and I'm glad I did read it um but speaking of the voice acting um I guess for me the 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 narrator sounded and I can't call the name of the narrator just now but the narrator sounded um fine enough to me but this is this is me only uh, having heard Having heard indigenous people in my college who were from Montana and, and pause, I had, I think I'd said earlier that, um, that folks were from Wisconsin and, and, and Michigan and all that stuff. And that, while that's true, the native or the indigenous people that were a part of the, um, Native American studies program, um, and taught the classes and were a part of the classes, they were actually from the Dakotas 
and Wyoming and so on and so forth like that. So again, not necessarily in the um, Navajo territory, but nevertheless, um, that was the accent that I was hearing. And so the, the reader, the narrator of this book sounded like that. So maybe she's, I, I don't know that she's not Navajo, but maybe she's not from the area where this book is from. Um, and so maybe that's what the critique is from one of that, the, the, um, from one of the, uh, reviewers. But anyway, I thought the voice acting was pretty good. Um, despite there only being one narrator, um, I do prefer books that have multiple voices to have multiple actors, but you know, maybe this was a, a decision by the, the narrator and audible to, or not the narrator, but, um, audible and the writer, Rebecca Roanhorse, um, to only go with one narrator. So anyway, I, even if she's not pronouncing things in the way, like if you are Navajo or you are familiar with Navajo people, um, and their language, maybe she doesn't quite get the phrasing right. Maybe she doesn't quite get the intonation right in some of the words, but I think it still is a really good story. Um, and I don't think the voice acting is bad enough um, for you not to listen to it. Or if you just really want to hear your own self pronounce these words because you just don't do narration, um, buy the book because it's really, really good. So as I've said, I really, really, really enjoyed this book. Um, book one, I've already finished it and I'm already on um, book two of the Six World series. And book two is entitled Storm of Locusts. Um, and like I said, I, I, I enjoy this series so far. Number one, because it's a woman of color protagonist. Um, she's not your typical protagonist. And also I'm learning or at the very least, I'm being prodded to do research on Navajo culture. Um, and not to mention, it's a it's a post-apocalyptic sort of, of thriller. Um, and it's got the supernatural and it's spiritual and it's all the elements that I really appreciate. As you know, because I really like Fast Color for those same reasons. Um, although this is more horror than Fast Color. But nevertheless, um, I enjoy this. I want to know more. I am excited to read more from Rebecca Roanhorse. Um, yep. And so I wish you would as well. Um, yeah, especially if you're an avid reader and all that stuff. And again, if you don't do Audible, I hear you. So buy the book. Um, yeah. Um, all right. Thank you so much for listening. Um, be sure to... Uh, leave me a comment, especially if you know the name of that book that I was talking about. You know, the one, the one that I told you, my, uh, my aunt, no, she was my aunt, she was my cousin, my cousin who's a teacher. Um, if you think you know the name of that book, um, send me a message. Um, and there is a link in the show description directly to, like, I don't even think you have to go to the page. I literally think you can just click that, click the link and it'll take you to, it'll give you an opportunity to leave me a voice message again, without having to log in or do anything else other than to record your message and you can do it from your phone. Um, and, and tell me the name of that book. If you, th if you think you know it. Um, also if you happen to go on my page and you want to donate, feel free to do so. Um, even 99 cents will be a helpful contribution. 
Um, But again, if you do not want to do that, because that's just not your thing, tell somebody about this episode or any episode that you think might be interesting to them. Um, And rate, rate the show. Um, Rated on Apple, CastBox, Google Play, um, Anchor, of course, Um, all the places that you might listen to this, to this show, rate it, share it, because that's going to help raise the visibility of this, um, the show itself, as well as give me access to more resources and more people who might make this, help me to make the show a little bit better. Okay. All right. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.